No, and, uh, I want to thank the worship team because the, the first song, there's a fountain filled with blood. That song was in my head the whole of, uh, sorry. The song was in my head the whole of this week. Um, it was, um, it's one of those early songs that I know <clears throat> as a, as a young Christian for Holy Communion. And, uh, it brings back very good memories and of how, what I've, what God has done for us and gone for me in our life. Hello, everybody, anyway. So I'm Kelvin Lim. In case uh, you don't know me, I am back speaking to you again. And we took a break from the Genesis Sermon Series on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and we are back here learning about the Abrahamic Covenant. Now, the sermon today is taken from Genesis 25, and let us start today by reading the Word of God. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son, Isaac, uh, Abraham's, Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Amarian of Padan Amram, the sister of Laban, the Amarian, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so he called, they called his name Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, and, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of the red stew, for I am exhausted. And Jacob said, Sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him, sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Easter. That we know that in you, we live and have our hope. Let your words be my words this morning. And let your voice, may you speak through me as we illuminate ourselves, as we learn from this Genesis, this passage in Genesis of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> How many of you got siblings? Can I see a show of hands? Wow, a lot, huh? So our productive plan works in Singapore. How many of you would say that you have a good relationship with your brother or your sister? That's not bad. But how many of you would say you totally never had a big quarrel with your brother or your sister? Never had a big quarrel. Okay, nobody raise hand now. <laughs> like many of you, I have a sister. 
two years younger than me. She is a teacher. When we were children, she would address me as Kokong or Ko for short. And the whole family will call her Mei Mei or Mei for short. Or Amea, Amea here. So fast forward 40 years. Today, we still address each other as Mei Mei and Koko. Today, I'm 40 plus. So sometimes when I think about it, it's a bit odd. Like I said, we are both 40 over years old and we still call each other Mei Mei and Koko. It sounds like little children, but between us, we somehow accepted it, gotten used to it. We probably will do so for the rest of our lives. 40 years later, when we are both 80 years old, and if you hear two old folks calling each other Mei Mei and Koko, it will probably be us. My sister is a teacher, as I said, and she deals with teenagers. You know, teenagers are very different today. If you have teenagers at home, you will know what I mean. They are no longer the blur blur type or the soft soft type. Today they are smart, opinionated, and they ask good questions. Last night I was with one until 2 a.m. answering their very smart questions about why she needs to have Instagram. This is not recorded, so I can say here, and she's not here. <clears throat> so you say, Daddy, you cannot mention my name huh, in service. Okay, noted, but now she's not here. Sometimes their questions are so good until I don't know how to respond. So my sister is not the mushy, soft type of person. She cannot. If not, she'll be pushed over by all the students. She's a very sporty person. She did her triathlon. She runs long distance, climb mountains, and very tacky with the Macintosh. She looks very small, but she's really a force to be reckoned with. If you are her students, you will know not to get onto her wrong side. There's a story I must share with you to give you a sense of my sister. I will try to recall as much as I can. In the early days of her teaching career, she was posted to a neighborhood secondary school. So one day, when we were having dinner, and I asked her, Hey, Mimi, so how's your work? Or how's your students? And she said she has kids who didn't want to do homework, and she had to make them stay back after school. Usually when teachers make students stay back to do homework, they confiscate their student pass because it works as an MRT or bus card so that they cannot go home. But she found that it was useless because the kids were very clever. They borrow money from each other and then they still pontang. They still run away from the remedial class. So instead of confiscating their student pass, she made them surrender one shoe. She said that she would take a plastic bag and put the shoe inside until they hand in their homework. She said it works because they cannot walk with one shoe and second, it's very malu for them. They say, oh, the kids will laugh, their friends will laugh if they go around with one shoe. They say, Miss Lim will have must have punished you. So when we say we address each other as Mei Mei and Koko, so please don't think that we talk to each other in a mushy manner. It's not mushy. But I like to say, at least this is what I believe to be, I have an amazing relationship with my sister. She's very dear to me. And many of my life's most difficult moments, she was there. I'm sure she's one person that she will, that will have my back. But when we were kids, our relationship was not like that. She's the quiet type of person. I'm the unreasonable elder brother. I will always bully her. She will cry. I think she must have hated me, but quietly took in all my stupid actions. I thank God that I became a Christian eventually. Things changed. We will pray together now. 
We share about common interests in missions, things happening in our churches, and many things in our family lives. Today, our story is also about a pair of siblings. Twins, sons of Isaac and Rebecca, grandsons of Abraham. They are supposed to be the inheritors, the perpetuators of the Abrahamic covenant. God's promise where Abraham's descendants will be a great nation. God has promised that Abraham's descendants will be so many like the stars in the sky and the dust on the sea, uh, dust in the, in the, on the earth, and that they will inherit the promised land. The promise whereby all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through them. But in this third generation, we read of the most dramatic of sleeping rivalries. Many of my preaching colleagues who preach in this series pointed out, it's quite like those long-running family dramas on TV. I was told currently there's one English show on Me Watch called Kin. K-I-N. Anybody watch K-I-N? Kin? Got right. A lot of people nod their heads. Four seasons, 800 episodes on Channel 5 or Me Watch. For me, I cannot watch this kind of show. Very long-winded. Son fight, daughter, son fight sister over control of company. Parents backstab children. Suddenly, the second wife or the girlfriend appear and suddenly pop out new children to fight for inheritance. The twists in the plot are never ending. Very tiring. After a few episodes, and you realize, ah, you mean the fight haven't finished? Huh? Still on the same topic. The story in Genesis is something like this. You don't know who is a good guy or bad guy. Now, if you're a bit too senior to watch Kin, you will remember something similar about 10 years ago. There's a Taiwanese show called Wo Wen Tian. Anybody watch before? Oh, that one lucky, jialat. Whenever the show goes on commercial break, cannot take it. Wow, oh, cannot, this one. If you go to KDV with me, please do me a favor. Do not pick that song. <laughs> Cannot. Now back to the two chaps. Esau and Jacob. Bible said they fought even before they were born. Verse 22. The children struggled together within Rebecca. The first to be born, Esau, was a red, hairy person. Coming out immediately was Jacob holding the heel of the brother. Esau was a man of the outdoors, a hunter, favored by the father Isaac. And Jacob was a man who liked to be indoors, always with the mother and a favorite of Rebekah. In verse 23, as the first fulfillment of the prophecy, the passage in verse 29 to 34, as the first fulfillment of the prophecy, the passage records for us an account of Esau trading his birthright for Jacob's stew. Let me read for you again. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of their red stew, for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. The Chinese Union version, Piao Tian He translates verse 34 
and 33 and 34 as the following. 以扫就对他起的事，把长子的名分卖给雅各。于是雅各将饼和红豆汤给了以扫。于是雅各将饼和红豆汤给了以扫。I titled this sermon "How much is a bowl of red bean soup?" I'm not trying to be funny because the Chinese translation did say it is a bowl of ang tau teng. We know, be it red beans or red lentils. It is not expensive food, but this is one bowl of ang tau teng that changed the world. I mean, if Esau hadn't traded his birthright, the Abrahamic covenant may be passed on to Esau and his children. There will be no Jacob, no Israel, no twelve tribes, no Israel, no Exodus, no David, and no Jesus as we know it. This bowl of ang tau teng had far-reaching consequences that directly affects our faith. Lesson one for today. Don't look down on simple things like ang tau teng. Small things are like pivots; they can change and they can move mountains. But Esau did trade his birthright for a bowl of red bean soup. He swore upon it. The word of God made two direct statements regarding this. In verse thirty-four, it says that he despised Esau; despised his birthright. In the Chinese translation, the words used was. Ting kan, ting kan. He took lightly. In Hebrews chapter twelve, he was labelled as unholy. Now Esau and Jacob were not born poor. Judging from the various passages on Abraham and Isaac's property, the amount of sheep, cattle, servants, concubines, they are considered more than decently well off. Esau know, knew that he was the elder brother, first in the line of inheritance. He knew his father loved him more than Jacob. He knew there was no competition. But let me ask, how much is this bowl of red bean soup worth to Esau? Maybe I could ask, how much did Esau think this his birthright is worth? Maybe nothing much. Maybe he didn't realize the true value of it, and traded it all for a bowl of red stew. Now let us look at Jacob. Jacob is one of the most controversial figures in the Old Testament. He is the party of the covenant, but one who obtained it by unscrupulous means. It is God's grace upon him that, and his later personal conversion, that sealed his role in history, and his name was later changed to Israel. How much is the bowl of red bean soup worth to Jacob? Jacob bought Esau's birthright for a bowl of red bean soup. Smart, right? Use one bowl of ang tau teng to change for a whole of inheritance, but in reality, it is not just a bowl of red stew that he sold. He sold his relationship with the brother. He sold his relationship with the father. He sold his integrity and his faith. At the end of Isaac's life, when he was about 130 years old, Jacob schemed. And indeed, stole the blessing that rightfully belonged to the elder brother. He intentionally, maliciously, and unscrupulously scammed the father and defrauded his brother. It's a big scam, like the phone scam that you receive. You can read all about it in Genesis 27. Jacob knew he was wrong. He knew the elder brother would be mad at him, and he ran away. To come back in Genesis 33 to beg for forgiveness in fear of the wrong things that he had done. 
Many people find this passage, this text easy to preach. I did not. For example, if the text says, love your enemies or love your neighbors like yourself, I need to focus on the unconditional love of Christ and urge you to do the same. Now, if a text is about Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac, or maybe the text of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggling if he should go to the cross, I would encourage you to trust God in unknowing circumstances. But this passage on Esau and Jacob is really hard because there's no clear ethical grounds to build the lessons and punchlines. Both Esau and Jacob had big issues. Esau is the elder brother who sold his birthright for a bowl of red bean soup, took lightly his birthright. Jacob, his younger brother, who carried the covenant, but he schemed and manipulated his way to the blessing of Isaac. He did it in a manner so unforgiving that if it is, if it is a TV series today, he will be the chief villain character. Someone we really don't like and someone we hope that will not succeed. But life is so real. The grand vision of the Abraham's covenant blended with the sinfulness of men. This is God's mystery. He tells us that we need His grace and His grace is readily available. But thank God that eventually Jacob found God in his own way, the brothers reconciled and both prospered in their lives. God's plan for the covenant was not derailed. How much really is a bowl of red bean soup? To Esau, to fix a hungry stomach, cost him his entire inheritance in terms of wealth and rights. To Jacob, the red stew in exchange for power and recognition cost him his family relations, his integrity and standing. How much is a bowl of red bean soup to you. If you are put in the same shoes, what would you have done? I don't believe for one moment anyone lives their lives in a black or white world. All of us seated here included. We struggle to be correct or politically correct, to tell a lie or not to tell a lie, or even a white lie, to ban rules or insist on rules, and if we were to bend, how much of the rules, to what extent do we bend those rules? To make a lot of money at the sacrifice of your integrity? To bargain for your own benefit, but you squeeze the vendor dry? When a fighting couple comes to you, each hate the, each hate the other, affects the children, clearly cannot be reconciled, each miserable, do you tell them to split? Or patch. When the person is diagnosed with terminal illness, do we continue treatment and suffer or let the person live on graciously with dignity? It happens daily in the workplace, marketplace, home place. Every day, like Esau and Jacob, we make, we make trade-offs. It can be about a deal that you are working on. It can be about how you treat your parents. It can be about bargaining for free chili in the wet market. For some of you ladies, you may be saying, you may be struggling. Work or stay at home or spend more time with the children. It can be about filing your taxes. And the latest hoo-ha was driving to Malaysia to pump cheaper petrol. Anybody went to Malaysia yet? Go or not? Or nobody there to admit. <laughs> Don't bluff all of you got jack in your car, right? Do you follow the 75% tank rule? Full tank rule. Or maybe you go with 
thinking that some will not check. Or maybe you already turn your car to make the fuel indicator show full. Maybe you take your car jack so they can fill your car out, the car with more of the cheaper Malaysian petrol. In church, we struggle. We also make trade-offs. The sacrifice of time versus the time of your friends and your family. Do you pay your tithe to the last cents of your gross income? Do you make effort to come to church for service or or just watch YouTube at home? Now, I'm not talking about those who cannot be vaccinated or those who are high risk. We can argue we can effectively worship at home. But on behalf of everyone serving, on behalf of every leader in the church, I want to let you know that your punctual and active participation encourages all of us. Your punctual and active participation encourages all of us. If you've been here pre-2019, you will know that this service is 400 over strong every Sunday. And we fill all four sectors with worshippers. But worship is not about you and God. Worship is about community. Together as the people of God. Hebrews 10, it says, Do not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing so. But encourage one another all the more as you see the end days approaching. Encourage one another because the end days are approaching. With the opening of COVID-19, we want to restart our services. We want to restart Amokyo Hub service. Pastor talk about it. We talk about it. We pray a walk around Amokyo and around the hub. It is an important location for AMKMC. I am a beneficiary of the church fourth service in the Bishan Golden Village Cinema. The precursor, the genesis of our Amokyo hub service. But we cannot even fill our sanctuary. We are short of singers, musicians, AV people, prayer leaders and ushers. We are short of you. The worshippers. Feedback on the ground. Let's go to the Amokyo Hub. Every person that I speak to says, who to go? We are so stretched. People are stepping down. We are a 1,200 strong congregation. But where is everyone? If we as God's people respond in an uninterested manner during peace times, how will we respond in the end days when somebody points a gun in your head and tells you to renounce your faith? I'm not here to pass judgment. You have your own faith journey. You and me are like Esau and Jacob. We are flawed. I struggle. I like the idea of waking up late on a Sunday. I am not a morning person. So I cannot be a pastor. You come at 6 o'clock in the morning, do a Easter sunrise service. I did once. Huh? That one was very jalat. <laughs> I like the idea of waking up late on a Sunday, take my coffee slowly, click on the YouTube, watch the service with my coffee and my lunch. I confess, I did it for two years. Anybody confess also? Confession is good for your soul. And I like, the, I like the idea of being at home and have the power of worship. You know what's the biggest power of worship? It's called fast forwarding. 
when you don't like a certain song or when maybe a certain pastor come online, the sermon you don't like, ta, 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 ta. or maybe when you hear PTM Alfonso say, good morning church, welcome to Ang Mokyo, ta, 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 ta. Sidetrack, I really appreciate the work of the church during the past two years in COVID-19. We turned the entire service digital, the music and service, the music and worship ministry, the choir, the church office put in hard work. The production was really good. I know because I watched several church services online and I tell you that our church production was of good and top quality. Now, Alpha, where's Alpha? Alpha is here, right? Ah, Alpha is there, shake his hand. Alpha and his family must be given credit. He and Kathleen opened up their home to us all. He shared with us his whole family, his children, his children's toys. You know, we opened up our house to our cell group, right? He opened up his house to the whole of all of us. All of you have seen his home. And in one day, if he wants to sell his apartment, he doesn't need to get property agent. Go, go watch Amokyo Methodist Church service. Then this is my sofa, my house. It was for a time as such. Today, it is a different time. It is time to gather once again as God's people. In this sermon, I presented to you more questions than answers. Each of our lives are different. Different circumstances, different struggles. At home, at work, in church. But God is asking a question to us all. Have you, like Esau and Jacob, traded your faith, your soul, for a bowl of red bean soup? Have you traded Jesus or your faith away? In Matthew 13, there are two parables taught by Jesus quite opposite to Genesis 25. I read for you, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. And in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew 16, Jesus asked, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What could you ever trade your soul for? What could you ever trade your soul for? Would that be a bow of Ang Tao Teng? I plan to conclude the sermon with the life stories of Derek Bonhoeffer and Corrie Ten Boom. They stood by their faith in the darkest time in World War II. They refused to trade their faith over things more expensive than a bowl of red stew. There are others in modern times that sacrifice their life. There are people, there are Christians in Ukraine today that will not stand down from their faith. But our time today will not permit. But I think you get the point. I think we should give you time to do your business with God. Whatever you struggle with is often unassuming, like a bowl of red bean soup. But like this bowl of soup, it can have far-reaching consequences. I pray that your faith will be firm. I pray that you will make the right decisions. I pray that you will not sell your soul. I pray that you will be like the men in Jesus' parables that will sell all that you have that will sell all that you have only 
for the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Abba Father, thank you for being our great reward. Help us realize deeply that you are the treasure that you will give, that we will give our whole life for. Put the cross before us. Help us to submit only to you and to your voice. Even when we struggle, to never to turn back from following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.